All right, welcome back to Suburban Bourbon. We're season two, episode eight, and we're at Prosperity Social Club. We're here with Will, the owner, and uh, Will, can you tell us where the address is here for uh, Prosperity Social Club? The Prosperity Social Club is at uh, 1109 Starkweather Avenue on Lincoln Park uh, here in Tremont on the, on the, on the west side of, of uh, Cleveland, Ohio. That's right. Right across from Lincoln Park. And uh, speaking of parking, a lot of parking around here is so really easy to get to. Um, so let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about Prosperity Social Club. I know we wanted to come here because we had been here in the past with our family yeah, and friends. Exactly. And anywhere we can bring our wives to that they like as well is probably somewhere <laughs> we're going to go back to. <laughs> um, and But it's not just the drinks, it's also the food. So tell us a little bit by uh, what the vibe is here and, 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 and how you brought that vibe together uh, to get people to come and visit. Uh, I like to think of this place, and I sometimes call this place the Clevelandist bar in Cleveland. Um, you know, I didn't do much to craft the vibe here. Uh, I'm, I'm but a humble steward of this place. Uh, this bar has been in continuous operation since 1938. Uh, it was owned by the same family, the Dombrowski family, from the 30s through 2000. Um, it was owned briefly by the legendary Gillespie brothers uh, from 2000 to 2005. It was treated as sort of a old man kind of clubhouse bar. And then in 2005, uh, a very visionary bartender uh, colleague of mine and someone who I have undying respect for, a woman named Bonnie Flinner, uh, who was a bartender at Nighttown on the east side for years and years, uh, purchased this place from the Gillespie brothers, renamed it uh, from Dempsey's Oasis, which had been the name of this place for 75 years, um, to Prosperity Social Club, and really wanted to create uh, a, a, a temple <laughs> to Cleveland beer, to Cleveland drinking, uh, to the, the, the provenance and pedigree of what it meant to be a Cleveland bar for so long. So uh, Bonnie created this place as you know it. Obviously she didn't put the wood paneling up that had been around for a long time, uh, but she did track down the old Pride of Cleveland, uh, Pilsner signs, all of the classic uh, beer mobilia, I think is what she would call it. Um, beer finalia. Uh, she, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to coin that phrase. That's I like that. Sort of, <laughs> she sort of, she, she, she made this place really into what it is. Um, I, I moved to Cleveland in 2009. So four years after she bought it and created it, uh, I moved to Tremont and, uh, this quickly became my favorite bar on earth. So I knew Bonnie for a long time. I was a regular hers for a very long time uh, as I was starting my own career in bartending. Uh, and uh, I actually tried to work here a couple of times and Bonnie would never hire me. She didn't <laughs> think I was, there's some irony <laughs> in that, right? She didn't think I was up to snuff, which she was probably right. I mean, uh, it's, if, you know, if I, you know, if you can't trust your bartender, who can you trust, right? Uh, so I loved, loved, loved this bar. Um, and so my story with it is, uh, I started my own bar called the Spotted Owl down the roads, cocktail bar, uh, in 2014. <clears throat> and we, uh, in the opening months of COVID in 2020, uh, <laughs> the way I like to tell the story is in that first month of COVID when we didn't know anything, right? right when it was like, make sure to leave your groceries out in the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like spray Windex on your mail before you yeah. bring it in. Yeah. We just had no you never know. Yeah. yeah. What was going yeah. on. Zombie apocalypse. Exactly. Yeah. So I spent that first month of COVID in a bottle, just like drinking in my empty, in my like flying Dutchman ghost ship of a bar <laughs> with my buddy Nikki, who owns a gym, right? So we were both. Mm -hmm. You're out of commission. Can I curse on this? Sure. Just fucked we were both <laughs> fucked right we had no idea what was going on um no one knew what was going to happen with restaurants no one knew what was going to happen with gyms and we were really getting hit the hardest yeah. right yep. as an industry obviously the nurses were sure. getting hit the hardest yeah, yeah, yeah it's understood but like as as for two industries that we just had no idea what was going to happen um so Nikki and I probably drank a case of Jameson, and I don't even like Jameson, <laughs> over the course of that first month of COVID down in my empty bar. And This uh, interview brought to you by Jameson. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, right. Jameson, Jameson Blackbush in particular. Uh, yeah, or uh, Black, Black Barrel. 
Yeah. yeah. See, that's how much I hate Jameson. <laughs> the whiskey. Bushmills, Black Bush. That's the stuff I like. The whiskey of the pandemic. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just cur- just it, everything looked green. For it. it was just looking through a green bottle. Um, and uh, but I came out of that first month kind of determined to uh, come out of whatever this was going to be bigger and better and stronger than we started. Right. And so I wrote down. All right. I, if I have all the money in the world and I have all the, you know, I, I, I could buy any bar in Cleveland, what makes the most sense for me, right? What makes the most sense for my company, for my team? Um, what would bring in, obviously, the right top line, the right bottom line, but also express sort of my values mm-hmm. about bars, what I believe in about bars? Mm-hmm. And what are those? I think that what I love about bars most is that they are the opposite. They're everything that Facebook isn't, right? The American Tavern, I think, is really important. To, it was very important to the foundation of this country. Um, and it is, I think, could be, if we thought of it the right way, very important to getting our shit together. That's right. Right? Like, we, I, I got a, I, 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 I got a liberal arts degree. I'm a philosophy major. So, you know, we have a joke in the humanities that it's like, oh, as it turns out, when you spend 30 years telling people that they should only study STEM stuff, right, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, when you just hammer that into them for 30 years straight and tell them that, like, art history majors and humanity majors are a joke and you'll never work and you never get a job, as it turns out, your chickens come home to roost and you're fucking democracy falls apart, right? Like, oh man, who would have thought, right? Mm -hmm. Similarly, we have this this very unexamined position, this very unexamined thing that we keep telling each other without ever thinking about, which is no politics and religion at the bar. It's like, and then you wonder why we have no idea how to talk about politics and religion with each other. We have no idea. Civil discourse, Uh, right? Exactly. Wonder why those skills suddenly (laughs) disappeared, right? On Facebook, on the internet, which is like seems to be the only way we interact with each other anymore, mm-hmm. everything about that is just motivating you to dig your heels in more and more and more and more, right? Like, you, the position becomes more extreme. It becomes less nuanced. It becomes less com- there's less compromise because what's motiv- motivating you to do it? The algorithm isn't, mm-hmm. and you're yeah. in an echo yeah. chamber too. Exactly. It's yeah. it's it it feeds on outrage, right? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> A bar's the opposite of that. Bar encourages you to compromise because you're sitting with a stranger and you're looking them square in the face. And if you are talking about difficult things, you you are naturally motivated to listen to what that person has to say, to maybe compromise your more extreme positions. Right. For a lot of reasons. Right. Because of, as you said, civil discourse, because of just simple social decorum. But at a bar. And again, none of my bars are exactly punch palaces, right? <laughs> Let me make that clear. But at any bar, there is baked in mm-hmm. the slightest hint mm-hmm. of an implication mm-hmm. that if you dig your heels in too much, you're going to get your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you say the wrong thing mm-hmm. because you decided to be a prick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're in the public eye and at that point. That's exactly yeah. right. And, and that's we've right. talked about it. It's like... It, We've, as a society, gotten to a point where if I don't agree with what you say, right. people have gotten to, I can't even talk to you. 100%. And, and, right. and, and we are both people that, you know, the only way to understand someone else's viewpoint is to talk to people that don't have the same viewpoint. Absolutely. Right? And that's like, you know, we, that's, that's the university experience, mm-hmm. right? That's what, we're sh- that's what we're shooting for mm-hmm. in cities, yeah. right? That's what the cosmopolis is supposed to be. It's what the university is supposed to be. I would argue it's what the ta- what's what the American Tavern is supposed mm-hmm. to be, right? Because the American Tavern is different from the British or the Irish pub. Mm-hmm. It's different from the French salon. It's different from the Roman cafe. The stakes are different. It's not a coincidence that uh, the that so much of the American Revolution was discussed and penned and plotted in tavern. Mm-hmm. It's not a coincidence. It's who we are. I think we've lost sight of that. I think that we, I think market forces come to bear and I think that we have come as a society to understand bars and restaurants to be vending machines littered throughout the luxury hotel we call life, mm-hmm. right? I think that we have lost sight of 
what bars represent and what they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to mean to our lives. Uh, and so in many ways, our company, not just Prosperity Social Club, but the other bars and restaurants that we own, I mean, we're very deliberate about being a place where a lot of different people can come together. I think, and I, I'll, I'll tell you, I think that our mission with Suburban Bourbon, we've said in other shows, and we were talking a little bit off, off camera that, you know, we really, it came about because we enjoy talking and meeting new people. We enjoy um, all the things you mentioned about going to a tavern, to a bar, um, a restaurant, and, and we wanted other people to get back out there. We right. want, because you know, I think it is a lifeblood. Um, I think when you see people at bars and restaurants, especially coming out of the pandemic, it restores a sense of normalcy. Right. And I think we needed that. Yep. And, um, and we missed it, I think, uh, oh, yeah. candidly, when, when, when that wasn't happening. I think so you don't, as cliche as it is, I mean, cliches become cliches for a reason because they tend to be true. Um, you really don't know what you got till it's gone. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people didn't appreciate what it meant to just be able to go sit at a bar by themselves and have a drink and maybe meet somebody or maybe be left alone whenever they wanted. That's right. I think that we really took that for granted. Um, obviously, we didn't in my business because... You know, if you want to, you want to talk about lifeblood, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of people out there really didn't understand how much their spirit was fed mm -hmm. by being able to go sit at a bar whenever they wanted. Well, I think, and that's the one thing too, and we believe in this. I mean, with our families, with our daughters, like that community that you have when you go to a, a really good establishment, it, that sense of community exists, mm -hmm. right. and that's the special part of places like this right. I mean prosperity social club exudes that it does it typifies it and it does it, it it's 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 seeping out of the walls here right because you can't you can't create some simulacrum of a bar that's been around for 80 90 years mm -hmm. you just can't mm -hmm. you, you can try and then you end up in this weird uncanny valley thing like all these AI babes mm -hmm. right with 11 fingers and uh, mm -hmm. 400 teeth right mm -hmm. it's like oh that almost looks <laughs> but it's not quite right is it and like th those bars are out there right I mean again you can't create it um, there are certain processes that you can't speed up or slow down I, again at the risk of sounding trite like right. that's one of the great things about whiskey yeah. right you can put staves in a pressure cooker and try to speed up the process and approximate the taste of something that's been sitting in a in a rack for 12 years well similar in, in a similar vein i think is kind of what you mentioned and we've we've talked about this as well i mean bourbon in particular that we enjoy is and we both kind of have this rule we have a lot of bourbon at home right um but nothing's dusty right and nothing i think we have one i have one thing that's not open but almost if somebody comes over try it open it up well it's sealed open it up and drink it yeah right bourbon is meant and whiskey is meant to be shared right right and you open it up and it's meant to be sipped right right you don't you don't shoot in my opinion you don't shoot bourbon right you sit and talk over bourbon yeah and i think that's in which we like to do that's <laughs> definitely exactly we like to do it but it's also i i totally agree it's about it's about sharing it with people <coughs> and a lot of our friends are like well we don't know bourbon like you right. doesn't matter doesn't matter do you, can you taste yeah can you sip <laughs> and yeah. let's try it yeah and again i mean it's it's speaking it of speaking of covid right like a lot of people a lot of people's palates were really seriously affected. That's right. Right? Literally. Like, <laughs> we, we want to talk about taking something for granted, right? I mean, it was terrifying for us, like, who live on our palates, who live on, on our ability to taste and smell mm -hmm. um, in a way that we can mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. create something beautiful that, again, that, that hopefully other people want to want to buy. Um, so when you realize that even your, your, your very senses can't be taken for granted, you really do realize that, no, it is about ceremony. It is about breaking bread together. It is about tradition. Uh, we need to, I'm not saying that every tradition or every ceremony is worth keeping around in that it's been around, mm -hmm. right? Obviously, again, that's been something that we've all been thinking about and talking about over the past few years, too. Just because it's old don't mean it's good, mm -hmm. right? It's true of whiskey. It's true of bars. It's true of, it's true of a lot of things. <laughs> right. And when things get lean, chickens come home to roost, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And the, and the ones that aren't doing things well. <laughs> right. And all business, right? Right. But it's important, it's important that we at least understand what is a ceremony, what is a tradition, right. and what isn't, right? I mean, it was, it was, it's been an opportunity, I think, as you guys clearly have, have, have shown. It's an opportunity to take stock, and it was an opportunity to, to, to consider our values and think about what's really important to us.
So you've mentioned, um, Will, you have other, some other bars and restaurants, I yeah. think, and um, we'd love to, you know, for our audience to know and, and about some of those as well. You mentioned the Spotted Owl, right. and that's, I think, right here in Tre Tremont, Spotted correct? Spotted right on the other side of Tremont, yeah, on West 7th and Jefferson. So we're going to have to hit you up for a show there as well. Uh, we'd love, we'd to love to have you. Love to go over it's a little bit more difficult to light. That's okay. But that's okay. Yeah. We're versatile. You got Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so so, so what, are there other restaurants or, or bars that you'd like to mm, tell us about? We have, we have one other going concern called Good Company, which is a um, burger and wing joint. Um, you mentioned diners, drive-ins and dives yep. off camera earlier. We were just on that, which is very cool. Uh, and um, it's, it's exciting to have a restaurant, like a family restaurant that feels versatile and that feels approachable and feels like something that we could build more of, right? That we could, it's, it's a product that we're really proud of, that we really stand behind. It's the first thing that we've ever had that we feel like, oh, if I could move the mountain to Muhammad and, mm -hmm. and put these places where there are families, I feel like we can not only serve the kinds of food that kids and parents want to eat, but also serve it in such a way made from scratch. We make all of our bread in-house. We do, we do everything totally from scratch. The only thing we don't make in that place is the ketchup and the mustard and the mayo. Uh, to be able to like serve something that people want, but also something that a parent could feel fine about putting in their kids' mouths, right? Because kids want to eat garbage. That's what they want. They want to eat the most processed, sugary garbage that they can. Um, they want french fries. They want chicken nuggets. They want burgers. They want this stuff. Well, that's what we make, right? But we make it the right way. So the Good Company brand is very, is very exciting to me. Prosperity Social Club, as I said earlier, it's not like you can build more of these. You'll just end up building weird, cynical simulacra of yeah, old bars where's good company good company is in battery park on west 76th um right off of detroit okay yeah nice. yeah so it's in that detroit shoreway building and that or that detroit shoreway neighborhood and in a building called the shoreway so it's all very easy to remember uh and then we are also building another bar in the detroit shoreway neighborhood at 53rd in detroit uh called old 86 which is just a regular ass bar just fluted Gibraltar glasses, no cocktails, no food, just a just a tap, just a bar bar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which again, like Spotted Owl, you know, Esquire magazine, best bars in America twenty twenty, which is mm -hmm. hell of a time to win that award, right? <laughs> come on uh, down. Come on down, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Watch me drink Jameson. <laughs> you know, but the sale baby shoes Yeah. But the cool thing about about prosperity that, that we experience, I mean, when you walk in, it's a bar. I mean, you can right. see, um, you know, behind you all, all the uh, whiskeys and whatnot. Right. But you have good food. Oh, you know, food. and we had a really good meal here. And so, so somebody comes here with their family. Right. You know, um, I know, uh, for example, on Saturdays you open at noon. Right. Um, what would you recommend? No one, someone's never been here before. And I agree with you. This is a kind of a uh, this. You're getting Cleveland when you walk in here. One hundred percent. So I, I've come here from out of town. Yeah. I saw your sign. I want to come in. What What do you recommend? Um, you know, we're known for our Eastern European fare, mm -hmm. right? Uh, my my uh, my father is is uh, Irish Episcopalian. They've been around since before the American Revolution was <laughs> plotted, right? Um, but my mother's family are Hungarian Jews. They came over in the twenties. Um, so between like an old Irish family and a Hungarian Jewish family, there's a lot of cabbage in my house growing up, right? <laughs> Just coming out of my ears. <laughs> a lot of cabbage. So um, the Hungarian stuffed cabbage rolls here are incredible. They remind me of home. They remind me of, of my grandmother's cooking, of my mother's, which became my mother's cooking. Um, the pierogies we get from St. Josephette's Church, mm -hmm. the ladies in the, in the basement it. making so them by good. hand, they're the best pierogies in the city because they're the real they're the real thing um the potato pancakes you know latkes are incredible the kielbasa noodles with bacon is incredible i mean it's it's heavy starchy peasant food you oh, know but it's we're staying for lunch so, by the way. Exactly. it's so good though <laughs> it's so good and it's you know on a on a on a chilly day like today right and on gray cleveland saturday it's the best food in the world Great to have. Food, yeah. yeah, and to be perfectly honest, again, at the risk of overstating it, these places are starting to disappear. Yeah. Sokolowski's is gone. Seven Roses sad. in Slavic Village is gone. That's yeah, right. right. Like in that, you want to talk about some unbelievable Polish food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and you want to talk about the real thing, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But when those places 
go, they don't, you don't get them back. And, and we, I'm like, part of my heritage is Polish. And so stuffed cabbage is, you know, stuffed cabbage was always something we had at every holiday. Right. But the recipe has now been passed on. And it's just no disrespect to the family that does it now. It's just not the same <laughs> as, you know, when aunt this and uncle that were making them. Um, so I, I definitely can agree that, you know, even as, you know, even if you're trying to keep it. Right that it's, it's hard to keep that alive. It is, it is, it takes constant vigilance. You know what I mean? And it takes a certain eye towards institutional knowledge. You know, it, it makes you revere and respect your people, right? Your cooks, the people who've been around for a long time. Because yeah, you, ever, you guys ever go to the Diamond Grill down in Akron? The mm -mm. Steakhouse been open 90 mm -mm. years. Mm -mm. It's the best restaurant in Ohio in my opinion. But you know, a steak tastes better when it comes off of a grill that's cooked mm -hmm. 900,000 steaks. It just does. It's, I don't know why, but it does, right? That Same logic it. with a pizza oven. Exactly, and, yeah, with right? <laughs> and with whiskey and with bars. Again, the yeah. things that have been around for a long time. Again, not all things that have been around for a long time are good, but a lot of the best things in life have been around for a long time, you know? And this... The, the, the food here and the traditions of the Eastern European food that we cook here, which isn't the only thing that we cook, but it's the thing that I would recommend before anything else. Uh, the reason why it's so good is because Bonnie had a tremendous reverence for what this space always was. This place was selling pierogies in the 30s, right? It was doing fish fry in the 30s, 40s, 50s. She got that, she understood that, she recognized that provenance, she, she recognized that history and she respected it and she institutionalized it and so again, in terms of my role here, I just try to stay out of the way. You know what I mean? I will tell you one thing, you know, for anyone watching this, um, and I think you experienced the same thing. We came here. You could tell us as an, uh, somewhat of a neighborhood bar. So you, you, right. you obviously have regulars. Right. But you felt welcome. Yeah. When you walked in, um, the servers were, were more than happy to recommend some of their favorite food. Uh, we got drinks. Everyone, it was just a friendly vibe. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's a nuance because right. you, you can go to places and like, what, what, what are these people doing here? Right. You didn't get that here. Right. Not at all. I mean, and, and it was high energy. There yeah. was, you know, we came on, uh, I think it was a Friday night, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, high energy. And it was just a fun atmosphere. Yeah. I just believe that if you, you keep your people happy, you look out for your people, a happy bartender can't help but take great care of a customer because it's so much more difficult to be a jerk to a customer than to be friendly. So much more difficult. You do it when you hate your job. Sure. But if you don't, <laughs> you take care of your bartenders. Your bartenders take care of your customers. Your customers keep coming back. They spend enough money to take care of your shareholders. That's how this has to work. Any other way lies madness. But I, what I hear you, when I, what I hear when you say that, is it's it's almost protecting the experience for your customers. Right. Right. Customers come to have an experience. It right. could be the, like you said, the person wants to sit by themselves. Fine. Yeah. The person that wants to do some experiment tonight and try different drinks. Right. Great. The person wants to bring in their family. If you can't protect that experience for right. each and every customer. They're turned off. But that experience right. is not yeah. delivered by what's in the glass. It's not experienced exactly. by what, it's not delivered by what's hanging on the walls. It's delivered by people. Exactly. Right. And exactly. like, I, again, like cuts, you, you, you have to adore and respect your customers. But a policy of appeasement mm -hmm. creates monsters. Again, we know that. <laughs> right. So ultimately, like if you want to really depend on something, you just you got to focus on keeping your people happy because it's your people who are going to make the customers happy. Like maybe a customer will hear my highfalutin philosophies of hospitality and maybe that'll, that'll increase their love of the product. But right. like, I can't deliver that to every single person who walks in here, right? right? And things are gonna go wrong. It's just a numbers game, right? Uh, we're gonna run out of something. We're gonna be 86 something in the kitchen. Something's gonna, something's gonna mm -hmm. get screwed up mm -hmm. in the kitchen. Something's gonna get screwed up behind the bar. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be Life left, happens. You're yeah. gonna be left waiting for too long for one reason. It's gonna happen. Sure, it's, sure. But if you feel like you've walked into a place in which you are given a certain share of generosity of spirit, you're gonna return that generosity. It's a fair point, and we've always said, you know, in every industry, I mean, there's issues. You right. know, I'm, you know, we talk, like, in our day jobs, there's issues that happen. 
It's how you handle those, right? right. And, and, and how you handle, whether it's customers or, or stakeholders or peers, right. it's how you handle those relationships that really drives out yep. what happens after that. And, um, and, I, and I can say, that, like we were saying before, I mean, the way that this is operated, it definitely is working because the, the environment here is positive and you know, it, it makes people want to come back. It's an incredible place. Again, I, I take no credit for it. All the, the only thing that I've done is stay out of the way. That's all, I've, that's all I've done, man. So again, come on down to Prosperity Social Club at 1109 Starkweather Avenue. We really enjoyed our time here uh, today getting to know Will, and we're going to enjoy our time even more getting to uh, try some flights of uh, bourbon. Yeah. Uh, but we thank you. Yeah, and, and come down. I mean, not only, like we said, great spirits, great atmosphere, great food, but uh, I love this, the Cleveland Clevelandist bar in Cleveland. <laughs> so uh, come on down to Prosperity Social Club. Thanks Cheers, again, guys. Will. Absolutely. Thanks, Will. My pleasure. So we're back here still at Prosperity Social Club, and this is where the fun starts. We're going to be meeting with Jeff, and he is going to walk us through a bourbon flight, which is always exciting and tasty. It'll help us when we have lunch here later. Um, but Joe, you excited as I am? I am, and it's a blind flight, so uh, this is going to be interesting. And it's always, this is always a great example of what you really like because mm -hmm. it's uh, without the labels. Yeah, I mean, so when I started to curate a whiskey list here, uh, I didn't want to put my name on anything that I didn't personally endorse and love. So while I could build a shelf to ceiling uh, whiskey and do what a lot of places do. I just keep a carefully curated list, so I hope you like this stuff as much as I do. I did a, I did a little research on you guys, watched a couple episodes uh, with some of our friends around town, and there's a word you guys throw around a lot, and nothing wrong with it, and it's smooth. <laughs> so I want to I want to challenge you guys a little bit here. See if We've we been researched, Joe. <laughs> <I> know, <really. laughs> See if we might get you into something uh, that might challenge the palates a little bit. All right. And uh, if not, I won't take any offense. Everyone, <laughs> everyone likes what they like. Bottom line, we had bourbon. So. Exactly. <laughs> but in the end, you'll uh, experience something. You know if you like a, a particular uh, flavor set or you don't. There's some tasting notes, and we'll see what you get. Okay. Uh, and your uh, Glencairn tulip glass here is your starter whiskey. This one won't be blind for you. This is kind of a baseline, so you uh, compare what you're going to taste with what I put in your glass here. And this is one that a lot of non-whiskey experts that want to get into my vast list, if they ask me what they should start off with, this is one, the next bad whiskey that Redwood Empire out of uh, Northern California puts out will be their first. I'm in love with this <laughs> distillery. It's not super aged and it's not super challenging, uh, 90 proof. And what this is, there's no dominant grain in the mash bill. This is a blend of straight bourbon and straight rye. So in that way, it's very versatile. So you get to a lot of people that maybe just know bourbon or are just your typical Jack, Jameson, Jim drinkers, not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, if they wanna start challenging their palates a little bit, this is usually what I'll recommend and it doesn't break the bank. So uh, one of the better whiskeys out there. What's the price point on Redwood? Uh, you can walk into a store and get that for under 40 bucks. That's very mm -hmm. uh, They are starting to put out uh, bottled and bond versions and castrate versions, which will uh, cost you a, a bit more. But uh, for their uh, baseline uh, Lost Monarch here, the blend of bourbon and rye, less than $40. Definitely got a little spice to it, which I do like. I like it. Not bad, right? It's, it's, gr it's great for cocktails as well. Um, You'll have that eternal debate is what goes into Manhattan, bourbon or rye, or you know, even stepping it up from there, uh, Bucharest or other uh, classic bur uh, bourbon or rye cocktails where no one can agree. Perfect compromise. What do you put in a Manhattan based off that? Uh, my go-to will be uh, that if I don't want to gouge the customer's wallets, which I am very much about selling whiskey here and not collecting it. So if I don't want to offend anyone, my, my reach for a bottle will either be that Redwood Empire that I just uh, showed you or uh, Rittenhouse is a great, great uh, 100 proofer. So it's going to not dominate your taste buds with that with proof, but it, it makes it great in a cocktail. That would be good in a Sazerac. Indeed, yeah, 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 for sure. You know, I mean, it could stand on its own. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, uh, I mean, there's some heat to it, but it, it's, uh, you know, I think of like uh, Weller Foolproof. 
you feel it, but it's not overwhelming as you kind of consume it, if that makes any sense. You know, you don't, it doesn't linger. And Weller Foolproof, yeah. I mean, that's cask strength. I mean, this, this is, is not, stuff. this is not, but it definitely goes down. Oh, yeah. Goes down smooth. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are wimps from Suburban Bourbon. No, nah, we like this, though. Thanks for the introduction. I've never yeah. had this. So, with that as a baseline, 90 proof, a little bit, little, uh, some, you got corn, you got rye, you have, uh, you have uh, a little bit of barley in there. Uh, why don't you tell me what you think about this next one here? Uh, why don't we start with oh. now that green guy? We're gonna we're gonna finish with that. That's that's that's. I might we'll, thought of what that is. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> right, I, I can smell it from here. Yeah. And, but um, let's go. Let's start with pink here. Okay. All right. There's a mapley smell to it. Is that weeded? No. No? Mm -hmm. That's good. It's, it's definitely it's a lower proof. I would say so too. At least too. it tastes like it. I would I feel like it'd be sub 90 proof based off of. I'm tasting like a hint of like like a like a maple leaf taste or a you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, some it's got a little smokiness to it. Yeah. Too. I like this. If you hold that up to the light, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna notice the first thing you're gonna notice yeah. is that color. And you get that one of either two ways. Uh, you can do some, you can extra char your barrels, throw in a second barrel, or just let it age forever. And uh, you'll get that natural color out of it. Let's go through them all. We'll say which one we like the best, and then you, you disclose. You got it. All right, cool, cool. So that was definitely in the running. And if you make sure you're drinking water in between. You want to, uh, want to, Get the taste of that one out of your mouth before you experience the next one. And then moving on to your orange guy there. This is almost like a caramel, yeah, a caramel flavor to it. It's got a little more peaty taste. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's not as uh, heavy, if I, if I, if I'm trying to describe it in this one. And this seemed a little more heavy, you know, when you were drinking it? Yeah. This seems a lot lighter. Not in uh, its the body of the taste, mm -hmm. but just the consistency. But again, I'm not, I'm not tasting high proof. You, you have your baseline 90 there. Oh, you finish yours, let's, let's, hold on, hold on. Let's uh, give you something to compare it to. <laughs> but we know this guy's 90. And are you thinking thinking a certain region? Are you thinking a country? Are you thinking... Because I'll break it to you guys now. I, a, I threw a couple curveballs, and B, these aren't all from America. Yeah, this, this, we could, we, we, this I would think is not. I would not. Yeah, agreed. Based on what we've had... Like the Japanese whiskeys and stuff. That taste peaty? Yeah. I'm ranking them the way I like them. Okay. So behind is first or, or in front? I is like first? these, are the ones I like. If yeah. I had to rank, just sort of yes and no. Now, this reminds me of um, the, uh, what is it, the um, Nika coffee. Oh, Nika coffee malt? Yeah. This yeah. is definitely peat. Yeah, pasting, which would probably say it's a Japanese whiskey. Okay. I could be wrong. That one definitely is. Yeah. Yeah, this is a Japanese whiskey. I think. I, don't th you? I think you're right. And after a, tasting a, this versus yeah, that, I think there's, there's a peppery taste to it. You taste pepper? Yeah. You know, if we're getting any of these right from where we came from and started, <laughs> then we're drinking so much bourbon now. Because I'm already noticing, I'm noticing when I go to places and I'm drinking, I'm like, oh, I, I, I can't have that. I'm thinking, this was not me like X amount of no. years ago. But we're also not experts, so we're going to yeah. a lot of this. Yeah, wrong. we have fun with it. We have fun with it. We don't profess to be. That's why I love uh, blind flights is mm -hmm. you can be wildly wrong, have a great time. And, you know, I, I, this is the one, one area where if I'm completely off, I, I drank a great ton of whiskey in the, uh, in the meantime and, uh, and got some to experience some flavor notes. 
when, when, I, when I do a, a blind tasting at my house, everyone will bring a bottle mm. and you wrap it up so you don't know what it is. Right and, um, and I don't keep them because that's, the that's the other little uh, game, right? Everyone takes their whiskey home. Everyone puts, uh, what, we, 10 bucks in. That, uh, that, that's where you and I would differ. But I mean, <laughs> if you're coming to my house, you're, you're leaving that <laughs> you're bottle leaving behind. <laughs> or we're finishing and it. And then the winning <laughs> bottle ends up getting the money. And it's know. funny, it's never the most expensive. No, but that's also, that's also where, now that we've done it a few times, you know what? You know the people that are coming and what there is going <laughs> to be gonna most bring. desirable because the more complex, you know, bourbons mm -hmm. are not going to win. Yeah, I, not with not with a group of people that are are, are probably novices, new to, new yeah. to bourbon. Yeah, it's it's surprising. You know, um, price being what it is is more of a factor of rarity anymore than it, necessarily quality. Uh, from time to time, I'll ha I'll do the same experiment, and I'll have my uh, my bartenders pour something for me. Especially since I uh, experienced COVID for the third time, uh, seeing where my palate, I, how yeah. much my brain has been rewired, and see if I can identify a bottle off the shelf without it, him or her telling me what it is. And usually, I do pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, lately, since the third bout of COVID, not so much. I'm experiencing new things all over again, which is kind of cool, actually. Uh, but. It's shocking how many times someone will pour me something that's maybe a $30 bottle mm -hmm. and I start guessing stuff on this top shelf mm -hmm. um, that A, you can't get uh, anymore or B, is hundreds of dollars if you could. So, yeah. We always say we're biased because we interviewed Boom Boom, Man Boom Boom Mancini in one of our interviews. It was his Boom Boom Bourbon. It's for, was it $49 or $44 yeah, right. for the lower proof and 49 for the yeah, higher either proof. Either way, it's, it's under oh, 50 It's a $5 difference. Yeah, yeah, one double gold. At, at the spirit, uh, the high, higher proof one spirit competition, and the other one won one bronze. Point is, it's good bourbon. It's sticky, right? Because mm -hmm. you're like, oh, it's boom, boom, Mancini, but it actually is good bourbon. You don't have to pay a lot for it. Yep. And we both enjoyed it. And friends, we've gotten it for exactly. Yeah. It's, it's it's good, and I and I actually like the higher proof one. I mean, that mm -hmm. one's that's a decent bourbon. All right, let's All right. try this one. On to blue. This is definitely an American bourbon. Yeah, I would agree with that. Higher proof. This is definitely over a hundred, I think. I would agree. Yeah, this had more heat than the uh, prior three in my book. I think this is a classic Kentucky bourbon. So where are your rankings? My, I'm still with pink. Pink is my I favorite. I like pink so and blue far. right now. Yeah, pink, blue, and then well, the two middle ones are. This comes down to what you and I've talked about. Um, we have this. I have this debate with my brother about scotch. He's a big scotch drinker. I I appreciate scotch. It's just not my favorite. Like I don't like it. Like if you said Joe, what would you like? I'm not picking scotch, but I appreciate the way it's made, the way it's aged. You know, and, and, and the nuances of the and, taste. And I appreciate when you have you know really good whiskeys, whether it's scotch yes. or bourbon. I appreciate because generally speaking, if you age something long enough. There's there's a smoothness to it <laughs> right. or that you're gonna right. get that you're just not gonna get with something that's that's, right. that's lesser you know or, or or you know not as many years but I agree like I'm I'm not a Scotch guy but yeah. I but yeah. you throw Johnny Walker Blue at me I'll probably drink it <laughs> <laughs> hey you know if you guys are fan <laughs> so this is the last one this is the uh, I this is I, I will be stunned if this is not Scotch. Well, I agree. Scotch or a probably, it might be Scotch. I think it's Scotch. It's going to be interesting. Well, it's here, when we have tried the Japanese whiskey, it smells and tastes like Scotch. Well, some it doesn't. Yeah. It does be yeah, It doesn't linger like Scotch. It might. The, yeah, typically what America gets off the, um, that you can readily get on the shelves from Jap Japan is heavily influenced by scotch and and the the grandfather of japanese whiskey uh, applied his trade and learned everything he learned it from yeah. from scotland married a scottish yeah. woman so yeah uh J japan is heavily influenced by by uh by scotch now, well, with that said though you can still get some very peaty scott uh japanese whiskeys and you can get some light friendly honeysuckle agreed apple, oh there's japanese. a bourbon there's a, little, there's there's a, a bourbon version we had at sakana yeah when yeah. we went to sakana we had a whole flight of japanese whiskeys and it ranged from exactly what you said which is very peaty scotch-like to more bourbon-like and it was a mix between and so i would say that i agree and, and i tend to like the ones that are less scotch-like but mm -hmm. but again i think they're yeah. i appreciate it yeah, it's all a matter of do you like friendly or do you like aggressive or do you like a little bit of yeah. you know, but what's your favorite 
I'm a maniac. I like to be tossed tossed around the room by my whiskey. So. <laughs> I don't know if that's a category. It is now. <laughs> Tossed around the room by my whiskey. I love that. I am going to coin that. I, I, I want an experience. I want to know it was in my mouth, and I don't want it to go down without a fight. So That category has been coined by Jeff here at Prosperity yeah, Social exactly. Club. Circa 2023. For instance, on that, uh, on that blue, uh, you nailed that, that. That's high proof, and you'll find out here in a second just how high. But that's, that's my favorite thing on the show. Is it? Nice. It was... So if I had to rank, I went pink, blue, I think, I have to, you know, I'm going to try these again because I'm not sure which one, I don't think, I don't know which one I like better. Or I mean, even if your your starter is, you know, more your, more your speed, uh, that Redwood Empire, but, uh, so keep that one in mind too. I would say pink, blue, starter, brown, gold, green, like this. And of course I didn't bring my little cheat sheet with me. It's all right. That's I actually, I actually think I'm like this. I think mm -hmm. I like this. Is good bourbon. I mean, this, this is a good. This is good. Yeah. So, so in my rankings, I go pink, and then redwood, blue, orange, brown, and I finish with the the green. If I had to pick them, I go pink, blue, redwood, brown, orange, and green. All right, close, but we're a little bit off. I mean, we're we're close. So a little a little bit of a flip flop in the middle there. Yeah. All right. So, and where where would you range these as as, as far as you think in what's what style do you think you're, you're going with here on this pink? Mm. I think it's American. Mm -hmm. I'd agree with you on that. Um, I think it's it's probably going to be more of a classic Kentucky bourbon. I would say it's a lower proof. Uh, I'm in the 90s with the proof. Yeah, I mean, I I, I say lower, less than 100. And, and I'd probably say it's something we know. I mean, in terms of that people would know. I don't think it's anything, any unicorn. Okay. Yeah, and I think it's a decent number of years. Mm -hmm. This, uh, what you guys are drinking, is my favorite whiskey that came out last year, at least come out here. Cincinnati, right? Uh, yeah, Sagmore Spirits is... They're out of Baltimore, Maryland, actually. Oh, is it really? I'm yeah. sorry. I thought there was a Sycamore down in Cincinnati. Oh, Sagamore. Uh, Sagamore. 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 Too much uh, bourbon taste. <laughs> <laughs> and what you got there is uh, their rye that they then uh, throw in a uh, second new barrel. So, okay. Uh, a double, they're double oaked. I thought I was being clever and I was cornering the market by buying every bottle that I could find <laughs> months back and that it was going to be a rare one-off. Uh, Bad news for me, good news for everybody else is uh, this one currently is pretty available in stores right now. Nice. Right, uh, we'll have to try that. Yeah. We like the rise. I, d I, yeah. I, I yeah. tend to, to what lean. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. What proof is this? This is 96.6. There you go. Mm. There you go. 96.6, which is in the 90s. It yep. is. You got it. Um, then what we got? Then we got Redwood, then we got Blue. So and I like you blue, blue than redwood. Blue than like redwood. Redwood than blue. But so blue. blue. If you can ever, if you ever run into this bottle in the wild, I can't recommend picking it up enough. I don't know if you guys are cigar drinkers or uh, cigar drinkers, <laughs> cigar smokers. <laughs> in this case, you were a cigar drinker. Did you have yeah. a flight too? <laughs> Not yet, unfortunately. I didn't really. I, I, I'm here till like midnight tonight, <laughs> so I'll, 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 I'd be right. Life. I'd be right in this with you. Okay, let's, let's talk about this one. Uh, Joseph Magnus, the cigar blend is their kind of their cream of the crop, that lottery bottle, and you got to know somebody to get it. And thankfully, I know people. Uh, I actually have two batches right now, believe it or not. And this is their their rocket fuel. And what they do is they take their their whiskey and then mature it in up to three other casks. So there you have uh, a blend of their whiskeys that they separately age in sherry cognac and armagnac casks add no water all foolproof throw it together and make something magical this that is really good yeah. that's that really is good, good so what's the proof on that this is every batch is different that's why i don't have them memorized this is oh they just put the alcohol here it's going to test test my math skills 126.32 wow yeah. it doesn't taste like that no that's dangerous. I mean, that's a good that bourbon. That is way dangerous. And I think it's uh, the, all, all those uh, wine finishes and uh, yeah. cognac and armagnac finishes that uh, make it do go down a little easier than what your typical 
you know, 126 or would be. Next was the uh, the Brown. Yeah, you had I had Brown lower in my rankings, but what was Brown? Brown, this is where I'm messing with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. I, Country of origin. What do you think? I kept it. I forget. Japan. Japan. Mm. This one I'll be honest with you. It tasted more tequila-ish than it did oh, anything yeah. else. You know what? You were exactly right. I bet it is. I bet it is tequila. You guys, you guys taste it out at the end. This is one of my most expensive bars in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bottles in the bar. Uh, Ray Soul Extra Añejo. Six-year age tequila from Mexico. See, it pays to drink tequila. I thought it was tequila, and I was like, what? I feel like. What? I was trying to describe. See, you tricked us. I was I trying did. to describe it as a bourbon. As soon as you said it, I'm like, you know, you're right. When I drank it initially, I'm like, it tastes like tequila, but I think we're only doing whiskey, so this is <laughs> going to be something I've never tried before. But no. How this dare you, good. Jeff? Well, <laughs> see? I drink more tequila than this guy. He does. I'm not a, tequila, I'm not a tequila fan. Hill. You got, you, got to rem- you got to remember, like, part of my job is to get people to expand their horizons so that they buy more stuff and expend more money. So, uh, it's but it's crazy what a barrel can do. And you, you, especially six years in the Mexican heat, you got, you start to, even though that's agave and not some corn or rye or barley, start to get notes of, uh, you know, bourbon and other, yeah. other whiskeys in there. So, well, a lot of people that don't realize they might like tequila, I give them a little, to be fair, not too much, a little I, taste I, of this. I will say, like, Añejo's, I mean... I, I love Casamigos. I mean, I think Casamigos, the Reposado, was what was introduced to me by my buddy, Michael Salama, who he said, just put it on ice and just try it. And so I, I did it because I was like, I don't want, I, I don't think outside of having margaritas, I had no introduction to it. Fantastic. But this is Raisal. So like, where's Raisal? Raisal is, um, this bottle gained popularity thanks to one LeBron James, who we were talking about earlier. Uh, showing it off on his Instagram feed, like, hey, this is, uh, I'm a rich guy, so this is what I drink, kind of a whiskey, but yeah, it's uh, $250 a bottle if you can find it. Nice. My favorite is Sincoro, the Michael Jordan um, sponsored, whatever. It is really good. Um, since we're dro- name dropping, Michael and I um, actually shared a bottle <laughs> together uh, in <laughs> Chicago about two years ago. Uh, it was fantastic. A yeah. um, little pompous, but I liked him. What about what, uh, the Casa Azul? Do you have that bottle? Uh, it's a fancy looking bottle, but it's also really good. Never say never. Say never. I'm I'm slowly uh, now tequila's taking off in America. It's slowly t- getting more steam here. I get a lot of mezcal fans though, so if I, I yeah, Casa Azul well mezcal, I might might be making an appearance here soon. Nice. All right. All right. What else right. you got? The gold. Not yes or orange. 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 <laughs> uh, country. Mm. This one you said you thought it had a little peat to it, right? I did, yeah. I, I thought this was, I thought that was was more scotchy, but I'm not sure if it's Japanese or if it's scotch. So that's where I was going. I agree. It could be, could be Japanese. I keep deferring to that. Right. Actually, in, uh, in Ireland for this one. We're in uh, Ireland, all right. Yeah. Irish Ritzky. So is it Redbreast? It's a green spot, and this one, they took their regular green spot and aged it in Zinfandel barrels, and uh, I'm holding on to the last uh, breaths of my last bottle of it. But I figure I'd share it with you guys. One of my favorites. Look at this totally disrespecting across the aisle. I mean, everything, everything is peaty to us over there. Yeah, right? no, no, but this is, <laughs> this is good. That some Irish distilleries are known to add a little peat, uh, but it's very rare. And I, I, I don't think, I don't think the Middleton there, there, distilleries doing it. it. And it's actually a little lighter. Yeah. If that makes any sense. That was lighter for sure. Um, but there's a little hint of it, but not, not overwhelming. Well, Speaking of Pete. Yeah, this is definitely. <laughs> if this isn't Japanese, then I'm really going to be. This has to be. It's either, well, it's either, it's either Japanese it's, or, it's either Scotch, or Scotch. Scotch. It's Scotch. It's one of we those don't. things. Yeah. For those, of you, for those of you at home, you can smell this outside. <laughs> well, not to get hung by a microphone cord here. Scotch, actually, product of the Brick Lottie Distillery in Scotland. This is the Octomore 13.1, their newest release that I'm as shocked I was able to get a hold of. It's in a very intimidating title. I was going to say, and it, not Octomore. And the bottle is intimidating. Yes. <laughs> I could be wrong, and maybe there's whiskey nerds out there watching this that'll correct me, but as far as I know, in American Shores, this bottle, more than any other that you can possibly get, uh, parts per million on Pete has them all beat. They 
they just I mean it is yeah it's, once you know. they think they've gone too far they notch it up three more <laughs> yes, levels exactly, so. so so octomorph go ahead and say it again so, yeah we're living in a boggy <laughs> boggy <laughs> swamp starting a campfire lighting a cigar and again you talk about see I I would this would have been my number one so you know th- that everyone would, that would be your number one in so it's far as since I've been trying to recover my taste buds and wanting to be thrown well, around this, a room, this, this this is my guy. This is proof. This, this throws yeah. you around the so, room. So so everything we've tasted today, the average person here in the Cleveland area, they can acquire it. Do you think? Except for the Magnus. The Magnus is going to be a tough one. Uh, and the Ray might. Sol is probably hard to get. I don't think. Ray Sol pops up from time to time. You um, if if. If you go to Ohio Liquor's website, you should be able to find a bottle of that, I would assume, right now. And I want to say uh, even my shop in Rocky River has it at the moment. Uh, Octomore, dang near impossible. Uh, Joseph Magus, you'll find their uh, gray label, which is awesome for the price. This one's right around 100 bucks. Yep. Uh, so the no- non-foolproof version of it, a uh, little bit different with the wine with, with the wine finishes on this guy. But uh, this one you should be able to find, no problem. Scar blend, good luck. You're going to have to come to me if you want a, uh, a little taste of uh, two different batches. Um, the Green green Spot uh, standard one, uh, you'll find all the time. The Zinfandel finish here and there, you'll be, probably be able to hunt it down. Unfor- like I said, unfortunately for my uh, sales strategy, that Sagamore, uh, Sagamore Double Oak Rye is pretty much everywhere right now. So. Good for us, because I'm going to buy Good some of that you. today probably. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jeff, before we sort of wrap up, let me ask you this. So when people are coming here to uh, Prosperity Social Club, what, you know, and I know there's, you have a huge uh, spirit uh, menu here, bourbon. What, what's the go-to for most people when they walk in? Uh, bourbon, our best-selling bourbon for, by far, uh, mostly because it's our house bourbon for cocktails, is uh, Larceny. Uh, Larceny weeded bourbon is, is great and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Get that. it's versatile. Yeah, I, I could see that. Get that frosted mini wheat quality, especially in like an old fashioned. Yeah, uh, but make um, again, uh, Maker's Mark. I'm I'm trying to get people into four grain whiskey, mm-hmm. and Penelope has landed on our shores mm-hmm. out of New Jersey. Uh, Penelope has yet to make a, a bad whiskey, in my opinion. They're getting the cream of the crop barrels out of uh, Indiana and blending them into something special. So, I'd, I'd say th- th- those are my winners right now, just straight off the shelf, not break the bank. Uh, by then. Uh, then I'll always point out my top shelf as well. Perfect. Jeff, we can't thank you enough, and I appreciate you. You're the first person I uh, reached out to and talked with. Thank you so much. Again, we're at 1109 Starkweather Avenue here in the heart of Tremont, right across from Lincoln Park. And um, you have to come down to Prosperity Absolutely. I mean, not only great, as we talked about earlier, great food, great environment, but you've got whiskeys, you've got, and and you have tequila. And other spirits well, and to, to and knowledgeable from. too. I mean, Jeff. Oh, I mean, so Jeff, Jeff paid a, a special attention today, but it's a well put together collection for sure. Exactly, exactly. So definitely come down to your Prosperity Social Club. Thanks, Jeff. All right, all right. Thanks We're again. Good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good to see you.